0: Heard her
1: before, but you've never heard her like this. It's Lena Wynn, unscripted and uncensored.
0: Ooh, you like that, huh, David?
1: Yes. You're
0: can. waiting for that uncensored part, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We have a celeb interview today. I first fell in love with you. No, I first loved to hate you when you were Detective Billings in FX's The Shield. And then I loved you in Homeland as Virgil. And then I was actually lucky enough uh, to meet this man in person and uh, fell in love with the person that he is. So that's why we have David Marciano in the studio with us today. Did you like that open?
1: I loved it. Is I that lo- kind of your kind of music? You are perfect for this. I am, I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> and I heard the music and then your intro and I'm like... She doing this all off the cuff. This is this is your calling. Am I legit? Too, Too legit. legit to quit. That's right.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I've done a lot of celebrity interviews. Um most of them on the red carpet, also in the studio for, for KCAL, KCBS. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's because you celebs have something like, you know, an upcoming project to push. And and we're kind of uh, limited as to what we can talk about because it has to be in like, you know, a minute, a minute 30 or so. So today, we really get to kind of delve into it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and what I'd like to be able to share with our listeners is, one, David the actor but then David, the person whom I adore, uh, and I want to talk about football and poker. I hope we get to that and, and what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. So you're a East Coast guy, right? You were born on the East Coast.
1: Yes, I am originally from Newark, New Jersey.
0: And you don't have any of that accent anymore.
1: Did you get rid of it? Uh, no, I think it's just- still there. I mean, um, it has evolved and it has lessened over time. Uh, of course, if you go back, right? It comes back, instantly. it comes back. <laughs> or, or even with, if I'm with a bunch of people, uh-huh. uh, of any culture, because I'm such a chameleon, because I'm, I, I, I like to assimilate, I will find myself sort of talking like them, and I didn't know I was doing it. Oh, I know people like this. It- <laughs> <laughs> and so I was this is when I'm a teenager right I'm in the green room right and this black guy comes in and I'm and he comes in and I start I start jiving with him and right. then when he leaves the people in the theater go that was rude and I'm like what do you mean he goes you became black.
0: Oh, my God. I am just, I am like that. And the thing is, we meet no disrespect. It's just the way we
1: are. I'm feeling you, bro. I'm with you. I'm right. i am grooving <laughs> on, your, on your jam, man. I'm digging this. I went out with, to dinner with a
0: co-worker. She w- shall remain unnamed. We went to an Asian restaurant, and the waitress had a very bad Asian accent. And my coworker did the exact thing that we're talking about. And she starts speaking like really bad broken English. and she didn't even realize she was doing it. And Come I thought, oh my God, we're gonna get shot. That is we- the
1: one no, that that's is the bad. wait, 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 that is the <laughs> one ethnic uh uh um That's the one race that what it, That's the most racist. I mean I unless you go Indian too. Like if you try <laughs> you start speaking Airdo like like a broken English Airdo, that's kind of racist. Um but you can't anymore. It's crazy right now. You you can't even uh, you know, we're totally
0: over politically correct. Where it's not even it it is so it is so unpolitically correct to be political. It it's crazy right now. And one of the reasons actually why I got out of news. I was so tired of being so censored that you couldn't speak your mind without being worried that someone's going to take it the wrong way. Yeah. And you know, most people are are it's one thing to to be a racist and to be right. insensitive, but you're right. We're just so uh,
1: overly sensitive these days. It's hard. It's hard. So you know, I mean, everything's. I guess we're heading towards vanilla. Uh, vanilla ice or <laughs> ice ice baby. No, no. You know what? I this is sad to say. I kind of like that song.
0: I do too. Stop. <laughs> Collaborate and.
1: I don't, oh, I don't know the words. Oh, my God. I don't know the words.
0: <laughs> okay, fail number one. <laughs> have you ever done karaoke? I'm
1: um, so – you know, I love to sing, Oh. but I can't. Oh. So it's really bad. Ah. I mean, it's so bad. Um. Well, we have to be drunk to enjoy it. No, not even then. <laughs> not even oh then. God. I think you have to be asleep to, you know, sleep.
0: I'm going to have to have a karaoke fundraiser and have you over. Oh this my sounds God. very entertaining oh my to God. me. God. Okay, so you uh, grew up in New Jersey. You've been very open about your past. I mean, you were a kid who really got involved in the bad stuff.
1: Yes. Early on. Yes, yes. yes. I yeah. mean, I was just trying to assimilate. Um, grew up in a neighborhood in the um, late 70s. <laughs> if you've seen the movie Goodfellas and uh-huh. you've seen the movie Saturday Night Fever, that was my neighborhood. Everybody was either a cop, a fireman, um, or a wannabe wise guy, a hoodlum, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody sort of did drugs, dealt drugs, uh, went to the racetrack, uh, shot pool, played cards. We were oh sh- my gosh, all a bunch of short con wannabe wise guys.
0: All the vices you can think of, you, it you were involved in it: gambling, yeah, all drinking, of it. <clears throat> all of it,
1: drugs, all of it. And I wasn't any good at it. What do you mean? <laughs> I was the guy who was going to end up scapegoat dead. Oh. So if you ever saw this other movie called The Pope of Greenwich Village, there's an Eric Roberts character who ends up losing his thumb. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who came up with all of these great ideas, but they all went wrong. And in the movie, he comes up with this great idea to rob the main gangster in the neighborhood, uh-huh. <laughs> and they get caught. And so you would have gotten caught? I did. Oh, you did get caught. I did get caught. Not on my own, not right. because of my own... Um, Uh, mistake, but the driver ran a red light, and uh, that was sort of the beginning of the end of my... um... So it was a wake-up call? Yeah, not really. No, No, not yet, no. It just ended my drug-dealing career Uh at 17, Wow, which was, I guess, good, you know? Of course it's good.
0: (laughs) Uh, This is... This is amazing because, like, knowing you personally, I can't see you no. really being the bad guy.
1: No, I, I'm too soft. Yeah. I'm just too soft, and I can't go to jail. Believe me, I can't. can't. <laughs> They'd love you in prison. <laughs> no, the good thing is I'm so old now. They don't want you. No, they want <laughs> they want it. the fresh meat. <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> All right. Okay, so you, you got out, but what in the heck got you into acting? What made you think <laughs> that you this troubled kid from Newark could get into acting?
1: Um, I didn't know. Uh, It was not on my radar. It was not anywhere around the family or friends. I went to college, and my mom was very adamant that I was going to college, and not a lot of people did in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Cops, firemen, wannabe wise guys, you know, maybe... Especially them. One or 2% of us got out to go to college or left... Not got out. It's a beautiful name. I love where I grew up. I love the people. So, I went to Northeastern University to be a biomedical engineer mm. uh, because when I was seventeen, I took an aptitude test. Well, let me tell you, my mom's first, my, my mom's big plan first. Okay? <laughs> okay, my mom had this grand design plan for me, which was I was going to go to prep school. After prep school, I was going to go to a military school like Annapolis or mm-hmm. or, or uh, West Point. Sure. And then I was going to go into the Air Force or the Navy and become a pilot and then into politics because she said, that's where the people have all the power and Mm. all the money. And she's right. She is right. She is right. And that's a great track. I lasted a year and a half in prep school Uh and quit. And then I went to um, the So just like that, her plan was- Uh, Yeah, by- by First semester of my sophomore year, that Done. plan was over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started on my trajectory. Uh, I ended up at Essex Catholic where I took this, when I took my SATs, I took this aptitude test, which is, you can still take it today. It's online. It's called the APT test. It's 100 random questions, no right or wrong answers. The results come out in three professions. And the three professions were mathematician, architect, and actor. Really? So I go in to see my guidance counselor, and he's like, okay, I've looked at everybody's professions, and this is the oddest grouping. He goes, (laughs) I understand mathematician, because you get all A's in math. He goes, I understand architect, because between this third one, he didn't tell me what it was right away. He said, between this third one, which is creative, architect makes sense, because you need to understand angles and geometry as an architect, but you also have to have a creative vision. He goes... So what can you tell me about this acting thing? I said, I don't know. He goes, I can see by your transcripts you haven't taken any drama courses. I said, no. He said, "Um, have you been in any of the plays here at school? I said, no. (laughs) He said, do you know anybody in the drama department? I said, yeah. You know, there's this one dude, Tom. And let me tell you something. Tom is suspect. (laughs) I don't know what's up with Tom, but I want no part of whatever Tom's doing. So we just blew it off. I go to Northeastern University to become a biomedical engineer. After my freshman year, I have a 1.6. Oh. I have 28 out of a possible 48 credits. I'm on academic probation. Oh. <laughs> and I'm on the dean's list. The dean has two lists.
0: Oh. <laughs> I just looked at am like, what?
1: <laughs> so I didn't know. So yeah, I said, Mom, I made the dean's list. She goes, wrong one. Oh, and my gosh. So the dean calls me into his office. And he's like, uh, so what's going on? I said, dude, I, I didn't call him dude, but I said, dude, <laughs> I am having the time of my life. He goes, I can tell. <laughs> he said, but you've taken the expression, don't let college get in the way of your education. way you seriously. Way too seriously. So <laughs> here's the deal. I'm kicking you out. You got kicked out. He no. said, but I'm going to give you one more chance before I kick you out. Hmm. He says, I should kick you out. But because there are people on the waiting list who are dying to get into this school, there are people who are willing to go into debt to be in this school. And your mother's giving you a free ticket and you are throwing her money away. Mm-hmm. Now, you can come back for one semester, but you need to get a 3.0 or better, or I'm kicking you out. Oh my God. So I buckled down. I did. I took really easy courses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're smart. <laughs> I buckled down. I got a 3.5, and I'm did back you in the game. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, because they like, were all
0: easy courses? No,
1: no. no. I just oh, didn't apply just, myself. Oh, uh, I was you're partying. smart enough. You were yeah, smart yeah, yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. I was plenty smart enough. Right. I, just, I was partying. Uh, I met my first Jewish American princess. Uh, we were getting high, we were getting <laughs> laid. Woo! My, she ended up moving into my dorm room. After Christmas break. So this maintenance guy comes in to fix something in my room. And like we're in bed, me and her are in bed. I got two stereo systems. Our beds are put together. We got huge speakers. (laughs) You know, it's like he goes, wow,
0: what's going on here? This
1: is the most equipped room I've ever seen. (laughs) I said, yeah, it's pretty cool. And so we just partied. She and, was a regular at Studio 54 on the weekends. We would take the train from Boston to New York. We'd go to Studio 54 and Xenon, the Mud Club, CBGB's. I saw the B52's and the Talking Heads in 1970 the summer of 79. <laughs> I was like, this has been the it was the greatest time of my life and college was really getting in the way of my good time. Uh-huh. So I ended up graduating with a I wanted a 3.0 so bad. I graduated with like a Oh, I have my transcript right here. I graduated with a 2.954. Failure. I know. I worked (laughs) so hard to get that 3.0. So anyway.
0: But then how did you get from there to acting?
1: Okay. We got (laughs) sidetracked. Thank you, Brooke Friedman. Thank you. That was a beautiful time in my life. (laughs) So I boogered out of engineering. And I was really good at math, so I tried accounting, right? (laughs) Nothing. I know, I know. Because my mom was like, why don't you try accounting? I'm like, oh, come on, really? I'm going to sit in a room and like calculate numbers and do people's taxes? I mean, right. God bless them. Great. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it's it. not you. Not me, not me. I'm glad we have him. I got a good one uh-huh. in Brooklyn. He's the best. <laughs> He's an Hasidic Jew. I love you. <laughs> Jeffrey Zell, You're my man. I get A's, got both A's. And uh, she said, why don't you try economics? I said, Why? She said, well, I said, what, is a, what's, what, what do I do with economics? She goes, you can become an economist. I said, what does an economist do? Okay? <laughs> you know we're in big trouble now, right? She says, um, well, you could work for the government. I said, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. She said, well, you can become an economist for a whole country. Oh, now we're talking, right? I mean, my ego just grabbed right a hold of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the guy who's controlling all the money for a whole country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, let's take it. Got all A's, hated wow. it. So now I'm done. I'm um, through my sophomore year, and I called my mom up, and I said, I'm coming home. She goes, no, you're not.
0: <laughs> good said, for you,
1: Mom. <laughs> I said, well, you are throwing good money after bad. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm just, we're throwing darts at a board, and I'm and we're missing. Mm. She said, what was that aptitude test you took? I told her. She said, well, why don't you take an acting class? Really? I swear to God. Oh, I said, Mom. I know, nice. I know, I know, I know mom. I said, mom, you know what I know about acting? I go to the movies and there they are. Right. She goes, look, no matter what you do in life, you're going to have to get up in front of people and give presentations. She goes, I'm in insurance for 34 years. Before our salesmen go out in the field, we have them take an acting class to get comfortable with the one-on-one experience. It can only help you. So to appease my mother, one semester I took acting one, I took another theater class because I figured that would be easy. It's called stage and body movement. If you can't get an A in (laughs) stage and body movement, you might as well just get out it. You know, get out of college. And then I took accounting two and statistics two. And halfway through that semester, I withdrew from statistics and accounting, and I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life.
0: Wow! So, but you're still on the like other side of the country, where you know you're not anywhere near Hollywood.
1: No, I'm in Boston.
0: Right. So then what?
1: I'm, I'm a neophyte. I'm taking my very first acting class for the first time at 21. And everybody else in this drama department, they've been doing it since sure. they're kids. Yeah. So I'm not getting, I'm getting really small roles and I'm really bad at it. But I didn't care. And I'm uh, the kind of guy, if I'm not good at something, I don't want to do it.
0: You normally quit. I,
1: yeah. It's right? like I, I have to be. You
0: quit even when you're good at it with the numbers.
1: I will. <laughs> I will. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about quitting acting right now.
0: <laughs> so- <laughs> Tell me what's the I mean Okay,
1: so what, said, what about
0: the big break? I mean how just how did you do how okay. what was the all right. big break? All right,
1: all right, all right, all right. So my first year at a Northeastern University as an actor, I worked 38 weeks out of the year and I made five hundred dollars. Oh. Right? Wow. i I'm, I'm in plays, but I'm getting really small parts. And there's other people, other guys who are getting really big parts and doing well, so I would ask them because I wanted to be where they were. Mm-hmm. And I said, where'd you go to school? And he says, oh, I, uh, my undergrad was at NYU, and now I'm at Brandeis. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, how about you? Where'd you go to school? Oh, I studied at uh, uh, Yale. I said, oh, I said, how about you? <laughs> uh, Juilliard. I said, oh, I'm screwed. I said, these guys, that's why they are where they are. So I got to go back to school. I got to get more training. So I started looking around, and all those programs were three-year programs. I had already been in school since I was five. <laughs> <laughs> really, five five to 23, I've had enough of school, and I'm going through the arts paper in Boston. It's called The Phoenix, and there's this little ad for a place called the Drama Studio of London at Berkeley. Two schools, mm-hmm. one in London, one in Berkeley. They claim to do in one year what the other schools are doing in three. Sign me up. Shortcut. Boom. <laughs> I went in for the audition. I got the job. Off to Berkeley, I went. And that's where I had my moment of truth. All right. Now, you never know why you're going anywhere, right? This is what I've learned in life. Mm -hmm. You think you know why in the physical world, Mm -hmm. in the material world, but in the bigger picture, in the spiritual world, in in your destiny, you don't know why you're going anywhere. It will be revealed to you if you are open to that. So I go to this place called the Drama Studio of London at Berkeley, And first day of school, there's 23 of us, and we're sitting in a room with chairs, folding chairs, like in a big U, and the headmaster comes out, and he gives his big speech, and he says, welcome to the drama studio of London at Berkeley. I want you to take a look around the room. There are 23 of you here. Only one. Maybe two of you are going to make a living at this. Mm. The rest of you will be doing community theater for the rest of your lives. And then he looked around the room, and he said, probably one. Uh, so now I start going, community theater, community theater, <laughs> community theater, community theater, community theater. Mm-hmm. And I narrowed it down to one in 10. And then he said, okay, monologues tomorrow, because we're all going to do our monologues. We're going to be going in alphabetical order. And now mingle, mingle with the enemy. How can I go mingle with the enemy? So I start looking around the room. If it's going to be one or two, I zero in on the one guy that I think mm-hmm. is my competition. And I walked right up to him and I said, hi, my name's Dave. Mm -hmm. We're either going to be best friends or enemies (laughs) by the end of this year. And I left. That's how I mingled. (laughs) Turns out his whole family was in recovery. And he was uh, trying to clean up his life himself. Uh. And that guy became my introduction to a whole new way of life. Mm. That has given me the freedom and the... uh, perseverance, uh, to continue to do what I do on a daily basis Mm -hmm. without the aid of any type of substance besides spirituality. How long ago was that? That was over 32 years ago. Wow. That's amazing. Now, why do I pick him? Why do I walk up to the one guy? Mm -hmm. See, I thought I was going to the drama studio to become a better actor. Mm -hmm. I was going to the drama studio to save my life. Mm Okay, so now, you want to know how I got from there to, to, to Hollywood, right? hmm Well, you made it to California. I did. So then I went back home. You, you left California? Just because they took my toy away. Ah. They taught me. He said, the headmaster said a few other things, like, this is show business. And there's more letters in business than there is in show. Okay? And we're going to take your toy away. So I had to make a decision. Is this something that I really want to do for the rest of my life? You know, the odds are. That I'll be driving a cab or, or, or attending bar or waiting tables or finding another means to, to put food on the table. And I did for the first two years I came to town. But then I got very lucky. And then winter was coming. And I decided to get my butt to California. And um, I was doing stand-up comedy for about a year. And I would go to the uh, improv mm-hmm. on Sunday nights. They would have dance night. This is 1986. 1986. And they would have dance night on Sunday nights. And this girl was up there looking at me. And I looked at her, and she smiled. And I said, come here. So she came downstairs, and we danced. And after we danced, we hung out. And then at around 12 o'clock, she says, I have to go home. I said, why? It's so early. She says, (laughs) her friend says, well, she has to get home to her daughter. I'm like, oh, my God, you have a little baby. And they laughed at me. I said, what are you laughing at? She goes, well, she has to get home to her daughter. I'm like, how old's your daughter? And they laughed at me. Well, her daughter was 16. And I was twenty. Oh. I was twenty-six. Wow. And she was forty-two. What? So I was nine years oh. older than her daughter and twelve years younger, younger. than her. Oh my goodness. Right? So um, we ended up moving in together. Oh, <laughs> man, you just go right for it. We ended up moving in together. And she, she was in advertising. And her friend, Vince McEwen, who was in advertising, wrote a play. And she said, come on, we're going to go see uh, Vince's play. And Jonathan Banks is in it. And I'm like, who's Jonathan Banks? And she's like, he's the guy in Beverly Hills Cop who's a right-hand man to the bad guy. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. him. Yeah, whatever. So we go see the play. After the play, um, we all go for a drink. And Jonathan and I are talking. And he says to me, Vince tells me you're an actor. I said, yeah. He goes, how long have you been in town? I said, just about six months. He goes, are you in a class? I said, no. He goes, why don't you come to my class? Mm. I said, oh, you teach? He said, no, I study. I said, oh, okay." It's uh, uh, Gordon Hunt, Helen Hunt's father. Mm. And so I went. And when I showed up, he was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, you invited. You asked. Yeah, you invited <laughs> me. You asked me to come. He goes. You know how many people, in the in the years that I've been here, I've asked to come and they said they're coming. You're the <laughs> first never, yeah. one to show up.
0: Really? I said,
1: oh. dude, I'm a man of my word, and I didn't come here to I didn't come here to go swimming. I didn't come here to learn how to surf. I didn't come here to get laid. I came here to learn how to become a great actor. I said. He goes, good for you. And um, about a year later, he disappears. And I found out he went up to Vancouver to shoot a TV show called Guy. And he calls me up and he says, Davey, I'm reading the first script after the pilot. He says, there's a part in it for you. And I told the producers about you. And why don't you go in and meet him? I'll set up the appointment. And uh, one thing led to the other. And I went in three, four times. I had to come in because I really didn't have any credits. And it was the guest star lead. Uh, The episode was called The Loose Cannon. And I was the loose cannon. Where I get to <clears throat> kill all of my Uncle Sonny's associates, rape Ken Wall's girlfriend, and get shot at the <laughs> end of the episode. It was mega, it was a mega part. Now I had no idea how big it was, because when I audition, it's two scenes. When I pick up the script, <clears throat> Lorenzo, Lorenzo, L- Lorenzo's on every page. Now wow. I'm panicked, right? Yeah, I'm panicked. Sure. There's no way I can do this. I can do those two scenes. But there's no way I can do this. <laughs> so I would literally pray. I would go in between scenes or I would literally go pray behind the set and that opened the door at CBS. Lisa Freiberger was the head of casting at the time. That's how I got from being a drug addict, drug dealer in Newark, New Jersey to becoming a um, bona fide actor in Hollywood.
0: Wow. That's awesome. This actually goes to prove what I've always felt about life and I No, it's just a dumb saying that people say that timing is everything. You know, whether it's work or love or anything, timing is everything. Don't you feel that whatever it was that kind of just placed you in whatever position or whatever time? Right. So what
1: is timing? Right. So I have to ask myself, I agree with that. Right. So what is timing? Because if you think about it, do you know how many things have to go exactly right? Or forget about right or wrong. you know how many things have to fall into place for that moment Mm -hmm. to be in the right place at the right time? You you couldn't plan it. You couldn't figure it out. So that's why I talk about destiny a lot. That's why I talk about the bigger picture. Give you another one. Mm -hmm. Why you never know why you're going anywhere. When I got due south, there was this young kid in Canada who was doing a guest star. And he wanted so bad to come to America. And everyone... Well, kind of make fun of him, you know, like, what's the matter? Canada's not good enough for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You can go to America and become De Marciano. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, and he would say, and I, I said to him, I called him, I said, I said, look, I believe in you. I said, if you want to come to LA and you want to give it a shot, here's my number. I want you to call me when you get here, and I will do everything in my power to help you. Okay? He was like, thanks, thanks. Nobody, nobody believes me. Nobody wants to nobody support me. I go, I'll support you. Any way I can. So he comes, and I really don't do anything for him, but he makes it. Mm. And he makes it big in voiceovers. And oh. he ends up with a with a Porsche and a house in the hills. Oh my goodness. And, right. His name is Reno Romano. Now, <clears throat> hadn't seen Reno in years. And my career had taken a turn. And I had went from when I came back from Canada, I had a half a million dollars net worth, college funds for my kids, everything was just going like this, and then within six years I had lost everything. I ended up being sixty thousand dollars in debt, and uh, and then I was six. That's credit card debt, and then I was sixty grand in debt to the federal government by two thousand and nine. So now I'm negative one twenty, and I'm I'm struggling. And I'm doing, I'm just, I'm going to the SAG Foundation to have my my rent paid. I'm going to all of the motion picture and television fund to get some assistance, you know, any way that I can. And my kids were in private school. They were at um, the Hollywood Little Red Schoolhouse. So I went in to see the headmaster and I told him my situation. And he said, uh, you know, you've been very generous with the school when you were doing well.
0: Did you lose everything because there was no more work, or yeah. did you get yourself into trouble with gambling again, or something? No, like that? no, no, no. A oh, stock market, dry spell. stock market. Oh, sure, uh-huh.
1: I lost money. There was a, there was a couple of <laughs> corrections in the stock market during that ten years, which I, you know, I lost some money. You know, I, I had reached a lifestyle right. that I kept calling my broker for another fifty. I need another fifty every six months. I'm calling for fifty thousand dollars just to you know get me through. And uh, I go in to see my headmaster, the headmaster of my kid's school. And I tell him my situation. He says, okay, here's what we'll do. You got two kids at the school. We'll give you two for one. Hmm. He says, uh, and we'll find something for you to do around the school. And I became the campus gardener. I was in charge of campus beautification. Uh So every morning I dropped my kids off and I'd be in the gardens and cleaning up and, you know, just making the place look beautiful and planting flowers and trimming the trees and doing the whole thing. And I loved it. Now, one Saturday... I'm working on these rose bushes in the front and I got to get to the Anawalt down on Highland before they close. And I, I know they close at three on Sunday and I'm pushing it and I'm pushing it and I'm pushing it. And finally I'm like, I got to go and boom. And I pull into the Anawalt parking lot and who pulls in right at that moment? Reno Romano. Oh, you haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. And he asked me how I'm doing and I told him the truth. And here's one thing I learned about when people ask you how you're doing. If you tell them the truth, Right. If they can't help you, they're gonna tell somebody else. And then that somebody's gonna tell somebody else, and then that somebody's gonna to come to you and they're gonna help you. Mm-hmm. And he said, I can't believe that. He said, What do you need? I said, Well, I negotiated a deal with one of the credit card companies to get it down to 20. I said, I need 20. He says, I'll lend it to you. <laughs> and in that moment, right? he says but you got to pay me back i said yeah and i did you know i got on the shield right after that and i was able to pay him back and then the shield ended and i still owed him like 2500 dollars of that 20,000 and i called him and i let him know that it's not going to come a thousand dollars a month anymore i'm going to just do what i can he goes don't worry about it mm-hmm. it's on me wow now timing is everything mhm right right yes if i had if i had went to annawal earlier earlier i don't see reno right if i had gone later i don't see reno yep oh, I, I love stories like that so that was destiny right mm-hmm. timing is everything absolutely and there's a destiny to your life there was this guy hubert selby jr he he'd go by the name of cubby he wrote um last exit to brooklyn which became a movie he wrote requiem for a dream mm-hmm. that became a movie mm-hmm. and he would say <clears throat> he had this thing that i labeled the four tiers of realization he would say be aware and I understood that is be mindful, be aware of your surroundings, right? Be conscious. And then he would say, let it go, meaning let go of what you're aware of emotionally. Don't get emotionally involved of what you're aware of. Mm-hmm. And then he would say, come back to the eternal now. And I swear to God, Lena, I thought about that for 10 years. What does I, it mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> eternal now. I thought about it for 10 <laughs> years because... I knew I had a past because I lived it and I knew there's a future because I'm going to leave here like in, you know, a little (laughs) while and I'm going to go to my next thing. Right. I I know. How is the now eternal? Right. (laughs) What is he talking about? And then it dawned on me. Uh I'm never going to be where I was one nanosecond ago and I'm never going to be where I'm going to be one nanosecond from now. So the only place I'm ever going to be from birth to death is right here, right right now. Mm -hmm. So therefore it is eternal or a perpetual. Mm. Oh, great. And then he said, love is the only reality. And that took me 20 years. It took me 20 years to figure that out. But I figured that out, too.
0: You figured that one out? I
1: did figure that I one out, I can't wait too. to hear this one. Okay. We create our own reality. You've heard that expression. Sure. Right? Yep. In every situation, every event, we have two choices. We can either respond from a place of love or a place of fear. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right? When my kids bring home grades... They don't bring home good or bad grades. They bring home grades. And those grades are just information. Be aware. Mm-hmm. Do not get emotionally involved, right? Because I see a D, and what do I see? <laughs> fear. The fear response is, what the hell's going on here? What is wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, if you keep getting Ds, you know what's going to happen to you? Yep. You're going to end up like Dave Marciano getting <laughs> kicked out of college. Trust me. I know this very well. That's the fear response. Right? The loving response is, hey, you got a D. All right, what's going on, right? Do you not like the class? Do you Not like the teacher? Do you, uh, Let's get you a tutor. What do you? Hey, let's get you a tutor. It'll be fun. You'll meet somebody new. He or she will teach you how to do it, and we'll get that D up to a C or a B. And that's the responding from a place of love. So, if love is the only reality, as long as I respond from a place of love, then it is my only reality. It's when I respond, and I've done it so many times with my kids. It's when I respond from a place of fear that it's, it becomes um, a separation. Fear separates, love unifies, love unifies, love unifies. Always respond from a place of love, no matter what it is. And everything's an opportunity. Everything's an opportunity. And that's what Cubby taught me. It took me 20 years to figure out love is the only reality. And I work hard every day, and I say yes. My friend, Lena Wynn sends me an email to <laughs> do my podcast. Uh,
0: What'd I say? <clears throat> you said, when? <laughs> tell me
1: when. Right. Because every day, <clears throat> every day, I ask the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, where do you want me to be? When do you want me to be there? And whom do you want me to be there with? And I wait. And I tell the truth. And magic happens. Yep. I walk into Les Moonves' office and I tell him the truth. And he says, I got it. Come on, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen.
0: How dare you mess up my makeup. (laughs) I love all of that. What really stands out to me is the being honest part because especially today, whether or not your life is great and trust me, I know so many people, their life isn't great, really. But the social media and this big facade everyone's got, my life is great. This is all I'm doing. It's all good stuff. And then when someone asks you, like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Most people lie mm-hmm. because they don't want to tell anybody that they fear. need help. Fear. or
1: Fear. They- fear. Right? Remember, mm-hmm. I got two choices in every question. <clears throat> Everything I can respond from a place of fear or a place of love. Fear says, don't tell her. She won't love me. If she, he or she really knows what's going on. So the
0: fear of being judged.
1: Fear of being judged. Mm-hmm. Fear of not being accepted. Mm-hmm. Fear of being shunned. Right? Love doesn't care. Right? Love tells the truth. It cannot tell the truth because love is your heart. Your mm-hmm. heart is love. Fear and ego live in your head. The heart is just love. Love.
0: Here I am thinking you were just going to come over and we're going to talk about acting and poker and football. I <laughs> you love you even. More, I love you even more now. You said we
1: might not get to poker and football. That's you true. might be right. That
0: is true. Yeah, I can only guess that because of where you came from, uh, and by that I mean the trouble that you went through, the addiction, mm-hmm. the uh, failures, the you, the struggles that you had, uh, that you were finally able to grasp this stuff, because I'm not sure, um, and it has nothing to do with age. It's really just about experiences in life, right? I'm not sure many people understand all those things, because there are so many people who uh, act out of fear, and the result of that is so,
1: you know, okay. It's a spiritual journey. Yeah. Life is a spiritual journey. You know, we, are, we really are We really are spiritual beings having a human experience. So we really are. This, these, these pain bodies that we live in is that they're just carrying our soul, which is eternal. And it's on its way to enlightenment and awakening and nirvana, heaven, whatever you want to call it. My soul has lived a previous lifetime and it's going to live many, many more lifetimes before it gets to awakening, <clears throat> before it gets to Buddhahood.
0: I, well, I was just gonna say that sounds very uh, <laughs> very Buddhist, and you are what you're
1: I was raised Catholic, sure. um I believe in Christian values, I'd say, you know I, um, well, wait a second like, Christ, you- like Jesus Christ like, I don't know if he is who he says he is, but the stories I've read about him and the parables. and so. I've incorporated those into my life, but I'm also—I would consider myself a Buddhist now because mm-hmm. I've done—I've studied a little Buddhism over the last thirty years.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm—I'm I'm always interested to know because when people say, uh, I, I, "I, you know, you Christian values," well, like what? Give me some Christian value, values. Uh,
1: Just love, throw out love, love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Treat everyone. Treat treat the homeless person as if you would treat the most powerful person in the world exactly the same. Be a humanitarian. I think Jesus Christ was a true humanitarian. I don't know if he's the son of God or not. That's not, that, 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 what all that means is that we are all children of God. God is love, right? God is love. Love is an action. That action is service, right? We are all children of God. The whole point of that story is we are, we are all part of the sonship of the divine, whatever you want to call it. Call it Buddha. We're all the same. We're all one. We're all just here on a journey, and our job, the Dalai Lama said, we're only on this planet for 100 years, and the true meaning of life is to contribute to another person's happiness. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. So that's my job.
0: Because I would argue that when people talk about Christian values and then I ask them to name some of those values, those are the same values that are taught in Buddhism. Yes. So it's really just about, uh, like, I believe in karma. yes. Okay, I'm a spiritual person. I was raised Buddhist, but I also studied world religions in college because I have a real fascination for all the similarities in, in religion that really is it's what you're talking about, that people tend to believe in this one higher and that, that higher power may be God, it may be Buddha. It it's
1: all the same. Right, it is. It's just a different path. These are all just d- Judaism, Catholicism, uh, 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 Buddhism, Taoism, You name any religious philosophy; they're all just a different path to the same right. awakening, nirvana, heaven, right. enlightenment.
0: So the teachings are also the same. It's yeah. it's all about being kind to others. It is right helping people, and that in turn helping helping yourself
1: because we only get what we give. See, the illusion is there's Absolutely. something to get. See, the illusion that the media, especially in America, is that there's, there's this dream, there's this, the, the American dream, there's something to get. If I just get the house and I just get the car and I just get the two kids and I just get them an education and some health care and, God, it's going to be all right and everything's going to be perfect, And that's an illusion, mm-hmm. right? That's an illusion. Um, there's nothing to get and you only get what you give, so you might as well just give mm-hmm. and then you'll get what you get. And my life is my life is simple. I mean I I am so grateful being grateful as a as a Buddhist principle. I also think it's a it's a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh principle. I am so grateful for all the opportunities that I have been given <clears throat> and for um what I got to what I've gotten to experience. Um <clears throat> and it's been there's been great – there's been high times and there's been low times, you know. I've been rich and I've been broke. Mm-hmm. And um, right now my life is super challenging, super challenging, <clears throat> you know. I, I went from having the, the car and the house and the and the money and all of that I live in a one-bedroom with my son.
0: Mm-hmm. That's where I live. And – your son's autistic, so yeah. it's not just living in a one bedroom with your son. It's 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 and caring for him, and and caring for him, and it's difficult, and it's taxing. My my
1: bedroom's in my 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 <clears throat> bedroom's in my living room. Mm-hmm. I got I I love my space. I love my bed. You know, um, I've learned to live in the moment. I've learned to live in the eternal now, because right here, right now, I'm as rich as I've ever been. Because it ain't it isn't about the stuff. You've never heard anyone say on their deathbed, "I wish I had more stuff." to leave behind for everybody else to use (laughs) heard anybody say that yeah never all I overhear is you know breaking bread with friends Mm -hmm. this moment that we've shared today this is what life's about this is what's truly um, fulfilling attaining all that stuff seems fulfilling in the moment. Yeah, and it's nice to drive that nice car. Yeah, and it's nice to walk into your house and have the air conditioning going Mm -hmm. and your big screen TV. But, yeah, at the end, you know, this is what it's all about, connecting with another human being at a soulful level, Mm -hmm. at a truly honest level.
0: It seems now so uh, superficial to even talk about anything else. (laughs)
1: That's but, okay. I love the Vikings and I love. Portland. Oh, I was going to say. I don't know if you see this. You see <laughs> oh, this purple? I just realized it's purple. Hello. Oh my god! I didn't make the connection. Okay, everybody, are you ready for this? We need win. Is some Vietnamese chick who likes the Vikings? <laughs> How does that happen?
0: Wait a second. How does it happen that you like the Vikings? Greatest you grew story up in New, ever. New greatest Jersey.
1: story ever. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Five years old. I'm in New Jersey. I'm at a big fun. Far- I got I got um, 32 cousins on my father's side. <laughs> Every holiday, right? Big parties in the basement, five years old. You must the, be Catholic. Yes. In the corner, <laughs> and no contraception, obviously. <laughs> in the corner is my Uncle Nutch and my Uncle Cheech smoking their little denoblies. Denoblies a little stogie, right? Mm-hmm. And they see me and they go, come here. Now I know this is something's going down. It ain't going to be good. They're like, how come we never see you with any like sports paraphernalia? We never see you with a baseball cap or a sports jersey. Don't you like sports? And I'm like, yeah, I like sports. They go, so what's your team? Jets or Giants? Now I know my uncle Cheech is a Jet fan, and my uncle ah. is a Giant fan. So I say I don't have a team because I don't want right, to. whichever <laughs> one I pick, I'm getting I'm getting my ass kicked. No matter which right. team I pick, I'm getting my ass kicked. I don't have a team. They go, next time we see you, you better have a team. Jets are giants. So now I'm panicked, right? Right. So I start looking around the league. And at the time, the Dallas Cowboys had the fastest human on earth. His name was Bob Hayes. And I'm like, the fastest human on earth? How could you not be a <laughs> fan of the fastest human on earth? So I think I got these guys cold. Next big party in the basement, there they are smoking their denoblies. They go, come here. And I'm like, da 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 Jets or Giants. I go, Cowboys. They oh. go, Cowboys. <laughs> boom, boom. They both hit me. kick me in the butt and said, get out of here. Couldn't have picked the worse team. That's true, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the the Giants and the Cowboys, right? So now Bob Hayes retires. I like this one, uh, Lance Rensel or Lance Allworth. He was a wide receiver, got traded. And Don Meredith was the quarterback who retired. And they ended up picking this nobody named Roger Staubach from Navy. <laughs> Who ends up becoming a friggin' <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback, right? So I'm like, F, F these Cowboys. I got to find me a new team. So I started looking around the league. It's 1967. And I heard about the steel curtain. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool steel curtain. But my mom's got <laughs> curtains, man. I blow through curtains like crazy. Come on. Then I heard about the Purple People Eaters. Oh, and I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, baby. That's my team. I'm going with the Purple People Eaters. And I've been a Viking fan oh, since my 1967.
0: God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
1: that's how that happened. Wow! Yeah. How about you? How did you what, become I a up, Viking? I grew up in Minnesota. No, sorry, there's no Vietnamese people in Minnesota. Uh,
0: we were one of the six, <laughs> one of the first six families.
1: You're like a, you became like the Ming Dynasty, Yes, like yes I, Dynasty I, I was. Then. I was the Wing Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, the Wing Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> from oh, you're part of the Win Dynasty Hello? From, from Minneapolis. Yes. I, oh, now it all yes. comes clear.
0: Yes. <clears throat> you live now. You eat too much. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, Okay, let's stick a little bit of poker in here while we have a little bit of time left. Okay. Okay? I don't know. That's how we met. Yeah.
1: That's how we met. Love across the ocean.
0: By the way, so this is another great thing where I asked you to do something and you just said yes. You know, The Shield was the first series that I, I binge watched. Okay, right. now everyone binge watches yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. That was the first series that yeah. People I- People weren't
1: binge watching yet.
0: No. no, but I was I was behind on it yeah. and finally I watched it. So I watched h- however many seasons, I mean, I was staying up. <laughs> oh my God. And I fell in love with all of you guys. Yeah. And it's the first time, I mean, and I've worked in TV, so I right. interview celebrities all the time, and I'm never starstruck, but right. because I was so in love and so just enthralled by the whole series, that I was starstruck. Right,
1: right. So right.
0: I do these uh these poker tournaments uh, with celebrities and um, I don't even know how I got connected with you, but somehow I asked you to, you know, would you like to play? Will you will you play? And and really most of the time I'm always expecting a no from people. So really? I'm always really mm. pleasantly surprised when they say yes. Yeah. You said yes, and you you are such um Oh gosh! Like all my girlfriends at work also fell in love with you, that because Mm -hmm. you're so likable and you're just so you know. And we hit it off like that. I don't know if we've actually ever played at a table together with real. You are a mean ass dealer, though. You deal some shit hands, (laughs) right? (laughs) I only throw out monsters. What are you talking about? Wait a second. So here's the best poker story. So Dave and a bunch of, you know, we have some of my celebrity friends were here. We do a two-table tournament. We do a cash game afterward for fun. And there's this one dude, okay?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh.
0: And everyone is after him because no one likes him because he talks shit while he's playing. And he gets stupid lucky. <laughs> right? He does. Stupid lucky. And, he's, and so he's down. And he's not a good player, is he? No. No.
1: And he keeps throwing money. He keeps pulling out hundreds. We it. love people yeah. like that.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. So we're down to uh, the last two. The last two in the tournament, right? <clears throat> so it's head-to-head.
1: I don't know which story you're telling. <clears throat> <laughs> the cash game story at the end is what you're oh, talking was that? Okay? Oh, because it was part of the cash game. Yeah, remember we were taking, uh, we were raking, uh, when people would win, we'd take some chips for having a you know, final hand. Oh, the final hand. We were and have, it was oh, huge. Yeah, yeah, it was big. It was, It was like... You would have got all your money back, whatever you invested right, right, right. You all your money back.
0: <laughs> that, that's right. And this dude would not stop winning the whole night. Everyone hated him. Yeah. And then and he wouldn't and he's one of those players where when he wins, he kind of laughs in your face <laughs> and you just want to punch him, right? <laughs> right, right? Right, So it's the last hand. There's a pile of money on the table, and and it comes down to him and, and me, you. I, 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 oh my I, I, god. You no,
1: know, no, wait, we're all in the hand. I'm sorry, we're all in the hand, but he, it's me and him have the could have the winning hand the last card is coming out
0: okay so the river's and about
1: to come the out The rivers comes out and i turn it out and he wins and yes. i say oh. oh i forgot to burn a card <laughs> and he looked at me like why no you didn't like
0: oh my like, first of all by when when that happened we all broke out in laughter <laughs> it
1: was now what? i swear to god I, I didn't do it on purpose i really thought i forgot to burn a card i really did but you already had burned a card. I already had burned a card. <laughs> so I turn over the next card. And, and you I, win. <laughs> and I won. And he looked at like, and I, you know, I feel so badly about No, it. no, no, <laughs> no,
0: no, no, no. You shouldn't. It was one of the best moments ever in poker because oh you forgot God.
1: to burn a card. That I, that I burnt. That, that was, was so awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But we have fun and we have to do it again. And we will do it again. We want to do a Vikings sunday game and poker event here that's crazy why because you won't be oh wait a
0: second you won't be paying attention to your cards
1: well, hopefully you won't it's the only <laughs> way to beat you the only way to beat hey, you is your, to get so, you so well,
0: well who do you think so far this year
1: i i'm going i'm um i'm rooting for the vikings of course you have to. i'm rooting for the rams oh i am i because we have we have like seven la teams now yeah i know right <laughs> I mean, every team's in L- every every team except for San Francisco is in L.A.
0: So supporting everyone and, and anyone four. makes sense.
1: Well, they it does, right? right. It does, and I like uh, Garoppolo for San Francisco. I, he, he isn't doing too well this year, but I'm going to root for the Rams and I'm going to root for the Vikings.
0: Okay, very good.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk to you a little bit later on and see how it is. <laughs>
0: okay. So, David Marciano, yes. <laughs> nice thanks for sharing all your stories i i love you you know that i love you too the only place i won't love you on the the poker poker table. table